Can you solve your addiction in just one day? Well, the Freedom Model team has helped thousands of people to do just that. Join us for an intensive one-day interactive learning experience as we take you through the entire Freedom Model solution in just one day and learn the most up-to-date strategies based on our research and experience helping tens of thousands of people over the past 34 years. You will see clearly exactly why you are still struggling and how to stop those struggles once and for all. No more confusion, no more guilt or pain or shame. Click the link in our bio to learn more now or go to thefreedommodel.org. Click on the For the Substance User tab and choose One Day Addiction Solution. Enroll today. It's time for you to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Families Moving Past Addiction Masterclass. It's a live, free online event where you'll hear new and empowering information about addiction, and that's great news. If you love someone who is struggling with an addiction, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org. There are various dates and times for the class, so choose the one that works best for you. See you at the masterclass. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey, everybody. Hi, welcome to the Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we wrote with Stephen Slate. The Freedom Model for Addictions. And Michelle wrote. The Freedom Model for the Family. There it is. Yep. All right. So here we are. Uh, this is episode 179. I can hardly believe it. Um, and yeah, we are going to talk about today is... Well, are you really always doing at any given moment in time? Are you always doing what you want to do? Yeah, there's <laughs> there's this idea of of uh, I gotta write this down obligation. Yeah, right. That we're not doing something we want to do, and of course, in the addiction world, of course, there's a constant push to say you're doing something you don't want to do. Yep, uh, and um. And there's a lot of nuance with this, but also so much, but, but what I'm going to say is we are always at some level doing what we want to do. And there are a few exceptions to that, that are again, nuanced. And so I'll go right. Can I go right into those? Yeah. We hear it all the time with addiction that people aren't choosing this, you know, and um, if there's any exception to a want versus a need-driven behavior, I would say it's fight or flight. And even, even fight or flight, you're still doing what you want to do, okay? Oh, yeah. Um, 
Because if you didn't want to fight, if you didn't want to run, you wouldn't. Right. So there's there's a weird thing that happens when we start to talk about behaviors that we're not choosing. And that is it presupposes that there's two minds within one individual, that there is some sort of force or alternative mind in control of yours. Hmm. You can't get away with the idea of uncontrolled behavior because you're still behaving. You're still doing something. Right. You're still making a choice. But if you take choice out of that, you're either predetermined in some sort of fateful way. But still, fate then is something, isn't it? It's mm. some sort of power, some sort of entity that has control of you. So automatically, you're going into whether it's it's a a thinking thing or fate, um, you're getting into this idea that there's two powers inside of you and thinking for you. And we call that the dual mind theory, right? Yeah. That there's two things. And the addiction world is literally filled with this idea. I mean, it's, it is the idea of an addiction, that there is some force, uh, malevolent, thing cunning yeah. baffling and powerful it's really weird because bill wilson they've talked about alcohol specifically um throughout the ages in personified ways but bill's the one that made it a diagnosis bill wilson the cult leader of aa the originator of aa is the one that really took it that one step further prior to that everybody really kind of knew that alcohol wasn't some sort of spirit okay. right well not you know they they did say, I mean, it was called spirits. It was, so, but they didn't, but they did not believe that it was a, a disease. No. And actually, actually, if people were mad, like um, acting crazy, whether they were intoxicated or not, in some cases, if they, if they're, if it rose to the level, it was very the religious in nature and that people would be assumed to be possessed by demons. Yeah. So, so this idea of uncontrolled behavior goes all the way back throughout the ages in one form or another. Um, and alcohol and drugs have played a part in that tapestry for as long as oh, they've yeah. been around. Um, and, but you bring up a good point. So let's go, go into witchcraft, right? So mm -hmm. witches, right? The Salem witch, witch trials where they, you know, Basically, you were a witch, whether you were or you weren't. <laughs> yeah. Either, either if, if basically, you're a witch if you were a woman with an opinion <laughs> or critical <laughs> thinking skills of any kind. <laughs> right. And so you're an alcoholic in rehab, whether you admit it or not. And if not, you're in denial. That is the Salem witch trial. It is. That all is, over again. That and Maybe that's the title of this podcast. The Salem witch trials. <laughs> yeah. The, the alcohol <laughs> Salem witch trials. I don't know. The rehab. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> But but it's the same phenomenon over and over, and that is it's about control. It's about a certain class yes. of people being able to tell you that um, you're possessed by something. You're out of control, and so and it's ironic too because because they tell you that you're out of control, that you're not doing something that you actually do want to do, or that you you know you couldn't possibly want to do what you're doing, um, you know, so you must be, you know, have a, a disorder. Must, 
you must be a witch. If you, let, let's witch. let's look at if you if you switched up the word yes addict and alcoholic for witch, <laughs> now you're going to start seeing what the hell is going on here. Yeah, you know? yeah. There's this there's this idea that you couldn't possibly want a lifestyle of heavy substance use. You couldn't possibly want that lifestyle, right? right. How could you like that? And so. And, and that there's no other alternative explanation. Right. Sorry that I keep cutting. No, off. that's okay. It's just that's when I okay. think of something, this is a really important concept. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's where this goes. And so when you ask the question, are you always doing exactly what you want to do? This is what we're talking about because eventually what's happened now, now we're almost a hundred years down this road. Yeah. Okay. And so now we have, uh, you know, generations of people who believe that somehow there's something else controlling them when it comes to substances and that, or almost anything else in life, because, because this question of, are you always doing what you want to do is an absolute. That yeah, that's really important. That's really, really, really important. So loss of control means you have a literal loss of control. You have no control. Exactly. There is no sort of loss of control. No. Right. So so once once you go down that road, it, it automatically says something else is in control. Yeah, this it's is not real, you. Right. It's then not you. who or what. Right. Then people go into a really wild religion with brain chemistry. Yeah. That's where this is going today. Uh, it used to be genetics, and they they realized that was a losing battle. The whole genetic thing, they can't find the gene. So <laughs> after looking for 35, 40 years, they gave up on that because people kind of were like, eh, you know, and, and because we know that genes affect physical tissue. It, it's what right. makes you physically. It's something you look at. And, and every time they tried to explain that genes make us think one way or the or other. behave in certain ways. Right. Then they find that's, that, that, that's not true. They do find, however the opposite. And that is that the mind and thinking changes genes. So, mm. so that didn't fit their narrative, you see, because they're so brain centered and so biochemistry and, and physically centered in their arguments, the addiction world that is, um, that they constantly go back to, okay, if it's, right. if it's genes, if it's not genes and what is it? Well, it's the chemical changes your brain. Well, the problem with that is that it, nearly everybody gets over the problem. Hmm. And in the very studies where they were trying to prove that the, the, the brain was biohacked, the people with the most changed brains voluntarily stopped. So yeah. that kind of went out the window. So, you know, but here's what's interesting about the biochemistry argument. If your biochemistry, meaning your brain tissue, is forcing you to get high, then what is the thing behind the brain tissue that is making the decisions? Is hmm. it, how does a, how does a chemically induced electrical gelatinous protein filled thing called the brain forcing you? So does it have a mind? Well, I would say that's your mind. So it goes back and forth and back and forth. So you always need some sort of operative force, some sort of thinking thing here. And if it ain't you, then it's something else. Right. But they ignore this. 
in their argument. They ignore you, your mind, your thinking apparatus. They look at the brain and they say it's, it's biochemically hacked. That means that the drug has a mind of its own with motive. And the motive is to biohack your brain and then make you think to take more of it. That's their argument. Yeah. Well, let's let's simplify this a little bit. I mean, let's look at other behaviors. I, I, I always want to go here with other behaviors because I think people can, you know, if you if you take, let's take the idea of ingesting a substance, which is clearly a voluntary behavior clearly a voluntary behavior. And let's look at behaviors that people choose to do that they feel are of their obligations, right? Do you feel like you're always doing exactly what you want to do when you're fulfilling what you consider an obligation, which could be doing the dishes. It could be um, mm. making yourself breakfast, uh, it could be taking care of your elderly parents. Yes. Yes. Something that just because something may not be entirely pleasurable or pleasant or pleasant does not, it does not mean that when you do it, you're doing it and you don't want to do it. That's right. That's right. I so, mean, so you could leave your elderly parents in filth. Yep. And you not could, take care of them at all. People do that. People choose that and they do that. Yep. It's not. But, you know, if we take the emotion out of it, you say, okay, that, that, that's choice. That's exactly. choice. And to the same degree, you may choose to behave the opposite. And that is, even though it's, it's a lot of work and it may be difficult to watch as, as people uh, slowly die in old yeah, age. Yeah, that's very um, difficult. I went through it with my aunt for, for three years um, and my wife took care of her at home right to her dying day. Yeah. Along with some of my sisters and, and just good people. But I don't, I took the word obligation away because obligation implies that you don't have a choice in the matter. Right. And you always have a choice in whatever you choose to do in any given moment in time. You always have that choice. There are days when, when I, you know, choose to, you know, nights, evenings when I choose to make sure my kitchen is spotless before I go to bed. That's most nights. Do, do I enjoy doing that? Some nights last night, I didn't enjoy it at all. It was very late and I was very tired. Um, but I did it and I was happier that I did it. I was obviously chose to do it because I knew I'd be happier doing it than not doing it. And so, so that is true of every single behavior every single choice that you make. And, and so when we get a really good handle on that and you become very self-aware of, wow, do I really want to do this right now? And, um, you know, if my answer is yes, I'll do it. If my answer is no, I won't do it. Then you, it becomes very clear to you just how free you are to make the choices that you're making. That's that's such a good point. So people then will jump to absurd analogies and I'm going to I'm going to use one here. Um okay, so you have a choice if somebody puts a gun to your head. Mm. And I say, "Yes." Absolutely. Yes, you have a choice. And they go, "No, you don't. You you you're obviously going to do whatever the the gunman tells you." And you say, "Well, no. if you believe that, you'll be happier doing that. <laughs> if you value your life, you may." Yes. If there are people that might 
look at the gunman and say, you know what? I got fucking nothing to lose, dude, because their life is so bad. And and they say, shoot me. People do that. People do that. Now, that's not the majority. That's not the point. No. The point is when you're looking down the barrel of the gun, you you, you still have choices. You do. You know? And and sometimes you have to think out of the box. Maybe it's grab the guy's wrist and put the gun in his face. Yeah. You know, the, the point is, the point is, when you look at your life, the first place you look, if you want to test this out, is look at your behaviors. Yes. What do you actually choose? What do you do? Because you can't do something without thinking about it first and choosing it in the mind, in the human mind. And there's nobody else in there unless you believe, like I said, in the dual mind theory that there is some sort of you know, malevolent force out there called addiction forcing you to do things. It would have to be a very intelligent force because it it chooses when to take your stress away and then it chooses when to give you more stress. It chooses when to take your anxiety away and then it chooses to when when to destroy your life. Maybe it's neither. You know, Maybe it's your use of the substance and the way you use it, the way you interpret it, the way you create the 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 habit and all that comes with it. Well, I think you just said it. I think you just said habit. That's what makes things confusing is our, our brain is this processor, right? And it's super, it's faster than any computer that could ever make. I mean, it's, it's, it's so incredibly fast and efficient that, you know, by the time you're in your late thirties, a lot of what you're doing is rote. And, and, but I want to, I want to jump in here. The mind is habitual first. Yes. Your motive for something that you love is is in your mind True. and then it drives the neuroplasticity in your brain in your brain tissue yeah so, you create your habits so at any point you in the mind you can say you know what oh, I don't I'm, want to anymore. yeah i'm done with that and how many things it's so self evident and people will say well addiction's different it's not it's only different because we labeled it an addiction that's and then right. We, we came, made it a thing. We created the concept, the construct. That's one of the things that we really go into deeply in the One Day Addiction Solution Workshop is we break down this, this nonsense of, of what a habit is and what it isn't, of addiction, right. of, of this entire binge construct that we create within ourselves based on marketing. Well, have been marketed to. Exactly. I want you to think about, and then think about behaviors you've done in the past. And we do this with the people that we work with. Like think about something you, you did so often, maybe in your teen years, right? You were, you were so, you loved what you were doing. You did it to excess. You did it very well. You couldn't even imagine not doing you it. You couldn't imagine your life without it. I mean, imagine that. Think about that. There's something there. And, and now it's 20, 30, 40 years later, and you can't imagine doing that thing anymore. I'm going to tell you a quick story about that. That's yeah. a great example. So when I was four years old, I lived in a town called Postingkill, and I had 11 
at that point, 11 older brothers and sisters. And we had a, a supermarket. It's not a supermarket, like corner store. It's actually called Boobies. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's their last name, Boobies Mart. And uh, B-U-B-E-S. Um, and uh, so uh, it's still there, actually. That, is that it story. really? Yes, it that's is. It's owned by the same family. That's funny. Good people. So <laughs> it was exactly one mile <laughs> from my home. Now, here I was, this little four-year-old kid. And this was 1974. And I don't know if you guys remember pom-pom candies. Pom-pom candies are these little boxes of chocolate-covered caramels. I could give a shit less. I didn't even like caramel. But <laughs> at four years old, I found out that every pom-pom box, you'd get like three pom-poms in this little two-by-two. I know two, what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, had a picture of a dinosaur, its name, and like a one-sentence description. I can't believe you can remember this. That's well, this is, this is, I'm telling you that when I think about it, sometimes I think, think about it. I'll sit and think about it. I would get a sensation through my body of fantasy about the, because it was a new concept. That's four. Yeah. That's and, so and, cool. and when I just, I, I had seen the box, there's a point to this. So just bear with me. <laughs> it's a good story. <laughs> so my brother Pete had the pom-poms at home and, and I saw one and I was like, what is that? You know? And he's like, excuse me. He said, that's a dinosaur. And he said, I said, what is dinosaur? Ooh. And he said, these things lived on the planet and he explained it. And my mind exploded. Yeah. I, and in those days, 1974, nobody gave a shit what kids did. So I took it <laughs> upon myself to steal some money from my brother's little change thing and walk down a mile, <laughs> right down through town, down route, yes. route, whatever it is, route six, whatever, and 66 or whatever. And main highway, walk on the side of the road in the ditch, down to Boobies Mart, bought three of them and sat there and obsessed on these things, cut them out, got home with scissors, chucked out the candy because I didn't like so it. so Mark, you have to know that. <laughs> and, and just, and then I started collecting them and every day I would go down the store. My parents had no idea where I was. Nobody gave a shit in those days. They didn't. We're Gen X, remember? Yeah, nobody cared. It was, <laughs> but it was this massive adventure. And do you know that? Today, I could give two shits about pom-poms or dinosaurs. That's the point. Yes, the that point is, is the point. But at that time in my life, and I don't know when I stopped going down to Boobies Mart. I don't know how long it took me. I, I think I did this for like a month until I had every single dinosaur. I memorized them. Then I got plastic dinosaurs. I memorized all that. I could name and label them all. No internet in those days. This was all a giant adventure. Coloring books, all kinds of things. So... But the point is, I had my whole life has been that. It's yeah, been one me thing too. after another thing after another thing. And in the time in which I am engrossed in the activity, I can't imagine doing anything else. And that includes six years of massive amounts of drugs and alcohol in my system until it damn near killed me. Yep. Because I believed in the fantasy of it, the bullshit marketing. And you do too. If you're listening to this and you're struggling, you don't know it, but you've been cast off into this whole big bowl of nonsense that you believe, you believe it to be true. You believe it's giving you all this stuff, but this is all a figment of your mind and what you've been taught. Yeah. And that is why there's so many facets to why people uh, will say, but I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this. I really want to stop. I don't like it anymore. I'm I'm not I can't possibly be choosing this. There's uh, there's so many facets to it, but all of it is rooted in this misinformation and belief systems that are that are not helpful. They're they're totally false. They're keeping people stuck and and 
and kind of at the heart of it is this idea that I'm always going to want to do this. Nothing's ever going to feel as good. I'm going to. That's what I just wrote down. Yeah. I like, down. I, you know, and, and when Mark was talking about the dinosaurs, I mean, all these things flooded my head of, of throughout. I mean, even in recent years, things that I like, I'll get on a, on a kind of a, a kick. Like I got on a kick for about two years where I was crocheting everything, every moment I could. Um, and, and then I was over it, you know, as quickly as I, I liked it, I was over it. And I, I think people mistakenly think that they're different because they get on kicks like that. And you're not, that's right. You're not like everybody has, you know, discovers something that they love for a period of time. Let, Let there. I've referenced this letter before about the girl that was going to die in a month at a young age. And and then the letter she wrote where she said, even if you have a mundane life, know that it's the life you chose and it's honorable. And I think that, that a habit of deciding to have quote unquote, a mundane life can be judged as bad, but do you know what? It's no different than the driven Henry Ford out there that changed the world that way. We all change the world because we choose what we want. Always. And there's nothing wrong with any of it, unless it hurts somebody else. Of course, that's that's there's a value judgment there, of course. But but my point is, is even when you're choosing to maybe not live, mm-hmm. even when you're choosing to indulge in self-pity, even if you're choosing, you're still choosing it. Yeah. Th- these aren't things that just happen to us. There's plenty of stuff that happens to us. But then we get to interpret that in whatever way we see fit. Now, if you interpret drug taking as something that you're not choosing, you will experience it that way. You sure will. You will feel feel like a prisoner of it. Um, and, and worse yet, you feel like a prisoner of your own mind. Um, like that, that there's or of, of some entity that's that's driving you that isn't you. Here's here's. So I, I, I know people who, who define themselves by the ailments they have. Oh yeah. And it hurts me to watch them and listen to them. They put it out on social media and it's, it's painful um, because they become so utterly dedicated to this painful existence. But the question becomes why, why? And that's because it has value to them. Yes. Whether, whether, whether the, the ailments are real or not is inconsequential to what I'm about yeah, to say. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whether they, they get some benefit out of talking about it mm-hmm. incessantly and then defining themselves by it. And I'm not judging. I'm not saying not that's, at all. I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm just saying they get a value from it. Like I did drinking an entire bottle of old granddad passing out like a slob on the floor and being sick for three days sometimes, yeah. you know, ending up in the hospital, whatever it was. Now, the the problem is, is that when we have things that we are dedicated to that have real high downsides. Yes. High cost, as we call it in the book. Then, then those trade-offs m- become embarrassing. Yeah, they do. All right. Now, those so so then the question becomes am i going to define this as something i'm choosing and then it becomes confusing though and we're like why am i choosing this well if you're told and here's the wild part 
if you're told that the substance is magical and that you need it for your stress relief to get trauma. rid of the trauma, the difficulties and the suffering of human existence, well, then, then you're going to keep going back to that poisoned well. Now, the reason that it, it's so confusing is because the drug doesn't actually have a mind. We're right back to that mind thing. It can't know what you're mindfully thinking. It can't know what you're emotionally feeling because it doesn't think. Right. And it certainly doesn't think for you. So you're sitting there in this weird, confused state thinking this drug is going to fix me. Then it doesn't. It gives you a physical sensation that you interpret as as stress relief. You interpret in these magical ways. And then you keep going back. You keep and your life is just turning into an absolute shit show, right? I lived it. I know what that's like. Yeah. And what what are you doing? You're you're then you're beating yourself up, right? Because I can't possibly how, how I'm a terrible person because I'm doing this and it's caught these high costs are happening and I'm hurting people and I'm hurting myself. What a shitty person I must be. And why won't I stop as I beat myself up and self-flog and which by the way, you're doing choosing to do as well because you think there's benefits there. That's right. Um, and but now what's happening is you're in this cycle, right? Where where the only relief that you see is what is going back to to the one thing you think is helping you, right? The, to the falsity that the drug has a mind to relieve you of your physical and emotional suffering. Yep. And that is damn good marketing. Yeah. That is the booze company since you were born in Western culture telling you that booze and drugs, the drug dealer telling you, and uh, people like Gabor Mate sitting there saying it's a warm blanket for yeah, your emotions. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it's also marketing bullshit. with addiction treatment. Oh, yeah. Addiction treatment feeds that marketing and says, oh, you're self-medicating yeah. with these substances because, you know, you 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 want to get, you want to feel better. And, and, oh, by the way, they do that, don't they? The, the addiction treatment companies are feeding that as well. And it's all wrong it's all factually incorrect so so the only explanation that can come out of a situation where you're being gaslit constantly and being told you're not choosing this and you're thinking to yourself the whole time just like i did mm. i know you're out there going i do choose it oh for sure but i can't say that because i'm starting to believe i don't choose it yep you know i go on a bender and before you know it it's six days later and my god they're right this was what Bill Wilson's brainchild was with Alcoholics Anonymous. And the whole treatment industry has literally grown into this monstrosity, this leviathan of lies. And you are just being victimized endlessly by it. So now what, what, what's easier? It's easier to say, I'm responsible for my choices. I'm also responsible to find out whether the drug is actually doing all this magical shit. Yeah. And we see people that get there. They read the freedom model. Okay. They read the book and they're like, no, that makes sense. Right. It, all of that, that addiction is not a disease. I'm not powerless. I'm definitely choosing. That all makes perfect sense. Ooh, but I really do like to go on these two week benders. Right. I really do like to hide out and, and why, why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep going back to from, but I know I'm not out of control, but why do I love 
being drunk so much, uh, yeah. but I don't really love being drunk. So you get to that place, you get to that place where, where you're still struggling and you understand, you're like, I get the freedom model. I totally get it. But you're only about, well, if you're in that place, you're about a third of the way there. And here's why. Because every single person I've ever worked with, and there's tens of thousands of them, will say to me when we dig deep, well, it does work for the first three hits. Yes. Well, it, it does do make me feel better. It does. It does work for a little while. Even temporarily, it does, Mark. And that lie, my God, is it deep-seated in our culture? In and and that is that is the essence of a binge construct that you develop in your mind, a construct. That's it. And everything grows off of that little three drink or three hit window. I, that's what I call. Well, it. and the thing about it is. If you believed that, if you genuinely believed it does work, you would stop at three. Yeah, unless, unless of course, they wanted more of that three, more of that feeling. Because the allure, I think, of that three drink. Because I can get win- more and more and yeah, more. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can literally escape. Completely. I escape a little with three, but I escape a lot with 10, right? Right. right. I think that the person that come to gr- comes to grips with the uh, three-drink fantasy, it's a fantasy, doesn't actually do this because it doesn't have a mind. Remember, alcohol doesn't have a mind. It can't know. But when you when you come up with, oh, I'm fantasizing and creating this based on what Coors Light told me mm-hmm. in their ad campaign, um, then you know, then you're a moderate drinker. Because I do it. I literally, I've told the story every time, you know, I sit by the grill, drinking my fucking whatever. And I- And you feel like that? I, that I, I cowboy. Act, yeah. I act the role. Yeah. Right? I, act I the have role. my glass of wine. Uh, I yeah. feel sophisticated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I like the physical sensation for a bit, but I know it's not solving my emotional well, life's problems. And you know, look at- Here's there's a difference. Be, like you can you can escape your everyday mundane life in many different ways. You can get on a kayak and and go down the river. You can you can just decide I'm going for a hike today. You can go on a vacation. You can do things that are real things and give credit to yourself to yourself that oh you know what I'm going to check out for a little while and read this great book. Um, at, there are infinite ways to do that. The thing about alcohol is, is it doesn't do that. It pharmacologically doesn't do that. Now you can say, I'm going to check out for a little while and go in, in this hotel and drink myself into oblivion. I mean, you can say that, but is there really a difference that I'm going to go check into this hotel and get a spa treatment? That, well, that's exactly <laughs> it. Because here's the deal. Spot treatment is a great example. So you, yeah. have, you have something physical that's happening that you interpret as pleasure. You then have a set and setting with yes. the music and the smells and the aromatherapy. It's freaking right? awesome. It, it is. <laughs> I freaking love the spa. Um, but you may also interpret that if you had a big job that weekend where you're losing a ton of cash as the worst experience of your life. My right. point is... It's all interpretive. It is. So give yourself the credit. You are choosing 
everything in your life. Yeah. My husband hates massages. That's right. Does not like them at I, all. I know a lot of people that don't I, like them. They don't like being touched. They don't like being touched. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's interpretive. Yes. And so what is doing the interpreting? We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Your mind. You habituate in your mind first with what is important for you. How quickly does it take to stop a habit? It takes a thought. That's a it. thought An to instant. say, you know what? This isn't really doing what I think it's doing. I don't think I need that anymore because it has a tremendous amount of cost associated with it. And I also think that doing think, less of it would be make me happier. Yeah, I think I can be happier, maybe not doing it all for a period of time and only engaging in it once in a while. Um, I think I can be happier engaging in less. There, there are infinite ways to solve the problem too. Um, but it all comes down to changing your mind and realizing that everything I do at any given moment in time, I am choosing. I'm always choosing. Now, we covered about probably 20 different topics in this, in this talk. Yeah. And you can see that it's a it's a web of lies that you've been told which has you enormously confused. Yeah. And we we call that the binge construct. The binge construct of course is the way you think about your drinking, the way you have built or your drug habits use. or drug use, of course. And so if you're sitting there with your head spinning saying I kind of get all this, there's I get that part, I get that part, but this is where I'm I'm really struggling. That's why we have the one day addiction solution. Yeah. That's why we have these workshops. Come meet with Michelle and I and we will deconstruct your binge construct in one day. In one day. Get it done. We built this because the freedom model, this book is the science, but applying the science in your life, something else, it, it, it may require a deconstruction process that is personalized to you That's right. because it, it, there's not this, everybody is different. We're all autonomous in our own minds. We all think a little bit differently. That's and Mark right. and I are a lot alike, but I'm sure there's a whole lot of differences in there too. So, so, you know, there's not this there's not a way to give people a series of steps, right? That everyone can do reliably to solve their addiction. Yeah, you're not like baking a cake. It's not ingredients. No. It's, it's, you have the science, which is the truth, which is drugs and alcohol do not contain magic or problem solving capability. And you're never out of control. And you're never out of control. Then you go, oh. Well, oh, how do I, how do I, how do I right. apply that to you're, my life? you're just telling me I should just stop. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know I have a choice, but, but I had somebody come to the retreat. I had somebody come to the retreat and she's a great person. She's so great. She was a great guest. And she brought up, if you ever get an opportunity to watch, uh, this clip, go to YouTube and say, Bob Newhart. And what did it say? Like, just stop. stop, just stop it. <laughs> just stop it. She goes, I know. I read your book. You're going to tell me just stop it. I'm like, really? You came to the retreat. You think for four weeks, I'm going to just be like, just stop it. Just stop it. Yeah, that's not how No, it. that's not how that works. I mean, yeah, you can just stop it. But how about we figure out what, getting you there so that it's something you really think you want, right? We want to yeah. get you to a point where you're like, oh, yeah, 
oh my God, I can be in like the, at some point a light bulb is going to go off and that's what the one day addiction solution is going to do. We're going to switch on that light bulb. And it's kind of like, once you see it, you will never unsee it again. That's, that is so true. So, so the thing that, that is blocking you is all the ideas, mm. they're ideas. That's it. That, that's it. But it's all the ideas you've been sold. In some cases, if you're older, it could be 50, 60, 70 yeah. years worth. And, but we, we've been doing this for so long. I can, I can show you, Michelle can show you exactly how, how to apply this science. And, and all of a sudden we're going to pull it apart piece by piece by piece by piece. Now the book does that. Yeah, it's all it there, but sometimes you need somebody to help you apply those lessons into your personal circumstances like this, you yeah. know, by talking. Exactly. So yeah, we'll show you how to do that. So yes. don't hesitate, go onto the website and register and, and get started today. Let's end whatever you're struggling with. So just, we're just going to do a little housekeeping here because I think we've, we, we're done with this topic. Um, remember just about every single week we offer what we call our families moving past addiction masterclass. It is free. It's a one hour webinar. Mark and I do it live. Um, and you can go to thefreedommodel.org and go under For the Family. Now it is under For the Family, but we have had a lot of substance users sign up for that as well. There's great information in there. It is very private. We worked very hard to keep it private. So you will not be able to, nobody's going to know that you're there. Um, and, and you send the link to your, to people that you know, that you think could benefit from it. We are going to be experimenting throughout the summer with different times. We're going to have, we have some evening times in there. We're going to, uh, have it on a couple different days each week. Well, once a week, but on different days and different times. So, um, so look for a date and time that works for you. If you don't see one, you can always email us at info at the and be like, Hey, it would be great if you would do it on this day. And you know, I work or whatever. Um, we'll try and work one in that you can get to. Um, and so that is something that it's a new service we're providing and boy, it's, we pack a lot of information in an hour. Yeah. And we've had a lot of people join us. Yeah, we have, we have, we also remember, um, so we have the, the, the one day addiction solution. You probably heard the ad at the beginning. You can go, we have one for the, we're going to have one per month for the family. And then we're going to have probably two or three each month for the substance user. We're limiting that to four people. So you drive in or fly in to Albany International and you spend the entire day with us to deconstruct your personal binge construct. Yes. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. And with that, you will get three. We want to help su support you for that first year as you apply what you learned, as you apply the science to your life. And so we do that by providing you with three private coaching sessions. So that would be probably within the weeks that immediately following, um, you can set it up however you like. Um, and then it'll be on your schedule. And then you also get an entire year of the freedom model online membership. Um, so you can join us once a month throughout that first year for our, uh, two hour live, Q um, Q and a, so that that's, that's, it's a great value actually. All right, everybody. All right. Thanks so much. Have a great week. Take care.
Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.